welcome. Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red-letter basics, by examining the Word of God, focusing on the Book of Acts Church. We see how the early church served the Lord, and if we follow their example, we'll have the same results that they did. The Porch Online Bible Study was created to take a deeper look into their service to the kingdom of God, as well as restoring the priesthood of the believer and in getting back that world-shaking influence that the early church had. By digging deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended and not the man-made one. The church age is not over. We have a job to do, and what happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you know that and you believe that, that there is more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, and you want more, then join us on this journey. If you have any questions, visit FirefallTalkRadio.com. Use the contact button. Or you can write us at the porch, lowercase one word, at FirefallTalkRadio.com. If you would like to support what we do, and we hope that you will and appreciate everyone that does. On the main page for Firefall Talk Radio, there are ways to do so. If you have any questions, reach out to us for more information. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. And I'm hoping that you subscribe to us there so that when a new episode of The Porch or Porch Light or whatever we do goes up, you'll be alerted. If you follow us on YouTube, on the Firefall Network, hit that subscribe button, hit the bell, and when new things go up, you'll be notified. Thank you for being a part of the porch. Thank you for being a part of this journey. Some of you have been with us since March of 2010. We appreciate you. We care about you. That's why I pray for you. If I know you by name and I know your family or your pets or whoever, I pray for you by name. If I don't, I just pray for you, and the Lord knows your name. And if you need prayer or anything else, write us. And if we can help, we will. We'll definitely get out the prayer request, or maybe have a praise report that you want to share to encourage someone. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So stay posted, and you'll know when something goes up there. We start out with praise reports, prayer requests. Well, you know, very simply, I praise the Lord for my salvation. Without that, I have nothing. I'm not here. You're listening to either someone else or no one. No, but I am here as a born-again believer. October 9th, 1988, snatched out of the kingdom of darkness, translated into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his Son. Restored in right relationship to my Abba Father. Restored in right relationship to my wife and my children. He restores what the devil has destroyed. And I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for everything that he's given me and blessed me with. I'm thankful for my relationship with him. My Abba Father, my Papa, my Daddy access to the throne room, to be able to talk to him and hear from him. I'm thankful for the Lord, my Savior, my Master, my Teacher, my Brother, my Friend. He's everything to me. Without him, I am nothing. I have nothing. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for saving me, saving my brothers and sisters, setting us free, paying our debts, wiping the slate clean for the cross, for the empty tomb, for the upper room, for the Holy Spirit, for the Word, for all this time together that we have spent together on the porch, that you've changed us, molded us, transformed us. 
Thank you for helping us make it through the storm and preparing us for the one that's coming. For the Holy Spirit that teaches us, walks with us, reminds us, empowers us. We pray for all those things. We pray for our families. We pray protection from the fallen ones, from the kingdom of darkness. Keep us hidden under the shadow of your wings. Be a shield about us, the glory and the lifter of our head, that no matter, no matter what happens in this fallen world, we're safe, we're hidden. We thank you for giving us the authority of heaven and earth, the ability to speak and do in your name. We want to understand you better. We want to know more. We want more of you. We need more of you, Lord. We ask you to bless this technology. Protect us. Let this word go forth. Let our hearts be ready to receive, our mind be cleared. We take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah, claiming the mind of Messiah. We cast down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of El Elyon, God Most High, our Abba Father. So, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever you want to do tonight. Let this word go forth and let us be empowered to change this world and shake it one last time before the return of the King. If you agree with me, in Yeshua's name, say amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Okay, get those Bibles open. I'm going to say it again. If you don't have a tangible, physical Bible, get one. If you can't afford one, you let us know. We'll get you one. I believe that we are on the verge of a time when technology may not work and there may not be the electricity there for you to use technology to access the Word. Download these teachings. Save them on a, a USB drive. That way you can play them on anything that plays MP3s. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Let no one deceive or beguile you in any way, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first, unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come. And the man of lawlessness, the man of sin, is revealed, who is the son of doom, the son of perdition, we know that to be the Antichrist, the falling away, the apostasia, the defection, the revolt, defection from the truth, both intellectual and literal, the spirit of truth, the truth that has set us free to forsake it, almost in the violation of a marriage covenant, a divorce falling away from him. I see it. It concerns me. And it must concern the Lord because he won't let me let go of this topic. The deceptions all around us, everywhere you turn, technology is now able through all the towers and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, and MIMO, microwave in, microwave out. The ability to infect your mind and your thoughts isn't science fiction anymore. It's science fact. And then you add the spiritual, the supernatural element to it. You'd better know the Word. You'd better know Him personally. You had better be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
because the days are coming and now are where where deception and darkness has enveloped us. See, when SRT was created in 2007, we took Ephesians 5.11 as our motto, as our scripture. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Well, you can't do that if you don't know the truth. You can't do that if your mind is not clear. You can't do that if you don't know the word. And I mean know the word, not like chapter and, and, and title and, and, and numbers and verses and commas and semicolons. I don't mean you don't have to be, you know, like Jack Van Empey or one of those people. But, you, you know, you better know the word good enough to know where to find it. And you better have a relationship with the Holy Spirit where he can speak it to you and you know what he's talking about. Because there's so much deception. And, and we have laws in, in our countries and around the world that it is a crime to lie about the contents of even a box of cereal. And these laws demand that the outside packaging tell the truth about what's on the inside. Deceptive packaging meant to induce you through fraud to buy the product is illegal. Truth in advertising. That's what the regulations are called, to protect the public, to protect the consumer. A good example of that is the warning pack on cigarettes. If you still smoke them, stop. I don't know how you can afford it. Send that money to us. Smoking causes lung cancer, heart disease, emphysema. It may complicate pregnancy. Oh, and you're most likely going to die of lung disease. I added that part, but they should put it in there. There's, you know, you look at these commercials about the drugs and all of the side effects and everything that could happen to you, and people still buy it. People still do it, but they have to tell you. But there's no such laws about people. There's no such laws about spiritual teachers. We don't require that anyone point out the lies or the deceptions or what's behind the packaging the clothes, the facial expressions, the mannerism, the speech patterns, or affected behavior, which, by the way, if you listen to somebody that puts on that that hiss and that click and the affectation, I don't get it. I don't need the dog and pony show. I don't need people to do all that. I just want the word. Give me a pure word. If you're going to feed me a dish or feed me this tremendous meal, I, I don't need all that stuff. Give me the food that I need. No one's forced to tell you what he or she's really feeling or thinking or planning to do. No, our deceptive packaging, the way we appear to others, is accepted, even expected in in this world. We have become experts in trickery and fraud, and, and, and before we even get the help we need, We need to tell the truth. See, that's for me what testimonies are about. That's what what salvation is about. We need, as a body, to confess the sin of hypocrisy. You know, there's a technology. Larry and I were looking at it the other day. A, A doctor, professor figured it out. That if you take speech and you play it backward that within that speech will be the truth. It'll be the opposite. And so much so that that they destroyed his life and eventually killed him, and the CIA had files on this guy. But it makes sense. If what we're speaking is coming from our heart, and you did that up against the mirror, the opposite would tell the truth. Be interesting to do that about some of the preachers out there, some of the teachers. Take what they do and play it backwards and see what they're really saying. But we have got to be able to see the lies. We have got to know the truth. And we have to get on a path of discovering, discovering and knowing who we are and who the people are that we listen to. Because a simple little mistake will destroy your life. 
You know, I've been talking about this, and I figured, let me get that information back out. Just to illustrate how even the smallest mistake can affect things. So let's let's look at flying an airplane where precision is an absolute must. And what happens if you're just one degree off course? Because either you read the thing wrong, you plugged it in wrong, you were given the wrong coordinates. For whatever reason, you're taking a journey and you're one degree off course. Well, you'll miss your target. Get ready. Now listen to this. By 92 feet for every mile that you fly. For every 60 miles you fly, you'll miss it by one mile. If you fly around the equator, you'll land almost 500 miles off target. Flying from JFK to LAX will put you 50 miles off course. That's just being one degree off. One number in wrong. Defective compass. Bad coordinates. You know, people travel between Los Angeles and New York literally thousands of times. And in doing so, course corrections have to be made. Wind and traffic and other things to make sure that that plane sets down on the appropriate landing strip. Without those course corrections, even one tiny percent deviation of the flight plan would land that plane in a different country. They'd get, what? Where are we? Well, how did we get here? Oh, my goodness. These coordinates are wrong. We've been one degree off the whole time. Well, folks, the church has been one degree off for a whole time, and we're completely off course. The contemporary church is like a jet plane and has made no in-flight course corrections. Everything's good. Oh, I want to sit in this to se- I want to sit in this section. I want my preacher to look like this, sound like this, and do this. I grew up with that. It makes me feel comfortable. And before you know it, the whole whole thing has been redefined. The institutional church, and most of the church belongs in an institution, is one that primarily acts as an organization above all and independent of the members who populate it. I know I sat on the board of a very large church. I saw how the food was cooked in the kitchen. kitchen. I mean the business kitchen, not the real kitchen. Programs and and uh, plans and blueprints and loans and rituals rather than relationships. It's led by professionals, ministers, or clergy, and they're, they're aided by volunteers of the laity, and very little Holy Spirit is involved. Oh, we can call it the contemporary church, the traditional church, the present-day church, the modern church. But George Carlin could have done a routine about that, that would refer to the institutional church of our day. We need a course correction. We need to get back to basics, the red letter basics. If the Lord said it, we need to do it. We need to listen to it. Oh, well, you know, times have changed. Stop. You're trying to tell me my heavenly father and the Lord couldn't write a word that transcended time? We need to return to the original spiritual principles, the unprocessed practices of the first century believers, because after that, everything changed. The spirit and the code of the book of Acts, based on the teachings of Yeshua and the apostles to guide our day-to-day efforts, those apostles, not the fake ones of today. A great deal of what we do as Christians or believers, however you call yourself on Sunday mornings in a building somewhere, has little to nothing to do with the Lord. Didn't come from Him, didn't come from the apostles, and didn't come from Scripture. Didn't even come from Judaism. Because after the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in AD 73, Judaic Christianity waned in numbers and power. And Gentile Christianity dominated 
and a new faith began to absorb the Greco-Roman philosophy and ritual. Oh, the Judaic messianic beliefs did survive for five centuries in small groups of Syriac Christians called Ebionim. Yeah. But their influence isn't very widespread. You look at small pockets like the church in Ethiopia and other places. According to Shirley J. Case, not only was the social environment of Christian movement largely Gentile well before the end of the first century, it had severed almost any earlier bond of social contact within the Jewish believers of Jerusalem by the year 100. Christianity is mainly a Gentile or a Greek religious movement living together in a common social environment. We've lost our way. You should read a book called um, Pagan Christianity by Frank Viola. The first recorded use of the word ecclesia to refer to a Christian meeting was penned around 190 A.D. by Clement of Alexandria. Clement was the first person to use the phrase, go to church, which would have been a foreign thought for the first century believer, for the first century book of Acts church. You can't go to something that you are. See, in the New Testament, it's mentioned 114 times, and it always, Ecclesia, referred to an assembly of people, not a place. The English word that we use for church is the Greek word kuriakon, K-U-R-I-A-K-O-N, if you're checking, which means belonging to the Lord. But in time, it took on the meeting of God's house and referred to a building. My pet peeve, I'm sorry, when people say, you know, about going to church. Nope, you are the church. You go to a building to fellowship together. Well, that's just word semantics. No, it's not. It has infected the way you think. I am the church everywhere I go. And whether I'm praying with my brother Larry on the, on, on the phone or FaceTime or, or with my family, wherever we gather, there also is he. E. Glenn Henson writing in the church history worshiping like pagans from the late first century on through. Gentiles came to outnumber Jews in the Christian assembly. They imported in subtle ways some of the ideas, attitudes, and customs of Greek and Roman culture. And Hasatan, Satan knew it. He knew that he could never come at us full bore. He knew that he could never stop, so he did the drop, drop, drop of the poison. If you've watched any of those TV crime shows and you see like the black widow wives who want to off their husbands, they take antifreeze. They just put a little drop in their food or their drink over time. And eventually as that chemical, as the lead, as the metals build up in the person's system, they'll die. But unless they specifically look for it, they'll never find it. This one particular woman, when they finally found it, because the husband knew something was wrong, and before he died, they did a special test. They dug up her two or three previous husbands and discovered that she had killed them all, was about to kill this one. Well, Satan's killing us. He's killing us with the poison, and he's killing us with the one degree off. And we have lost our spiritual influence because we've not done our job and the enemy's running amok without any resistance. Sin has taken over and seeped into everything. I challenge you to find some secular TV, news, media, internet, anything that doesn't have some kind of ungodly satanic influence. The Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says sin is action by which humans rebel against God. They miss his purpose for their life and surrender to the power of evil, then to God. I would dare to say that in every area of our lives, and, and I'm guilty of this, where we are off, 
one degree where we have an issue, where there's some besetting sin, there's something in our life that we can't seem to get a grasp on, it's because we have made a decision consciously or subconsciously to rebel against God's Word, and then even once we see it, we excuse it. We make an excuse for it. Well, Yeshua told us that the purpose of the Holy Spirit in John 16, starting with verse 8, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world, and he's referring to Hasatan, and that kingdom is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Well, that was because they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, says the Lord, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will not lead you off. He will not take your first focus off of the Lord. He warned us, the Lord did, in Matthew twenty four twelve. sin, lawlessness, will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Sin, lawlessness, creates cold-heartedness, and you see it every day. What we're doing to one another, what we're doing to babies in the womb, what we're doing to animals, what we're doing to his creation. I'm, I shouldn't be astounded when I see a story, but I am. Anomia, anomia means lawlessness or iniquity, and it's rather a general description of sinful acts, referring to almost any action in opposition to God's standard of righteousness. If you call yourself a believer in Yeshua, you say that you're born again, we should act like it. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they've been done in God. His words, not mine. Red letter basics right there. John chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. You either believe in him or you're condemned. But to escape condemnation in that final judgment, believe in him. Accept him as Lord of your life. Get your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Because the time will come, according to Matthew 13, 41 through 43, that the Son of Man will send out his angels. And they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We need to hear this. I know it's not an easy topic. But see, that's why I pray for my friends, my family, my loved ones, people I care about that I know are not born again. Oh, they may have a religious belief, a religious experience, but I know they're not born again. They may know of the Lord like I did before I got saved, but they they don't know him personally. 
I could tell you about Jesus. I went to Catholic grammar school, high school, and college. I was steeped in Catholicism, so I knew their Jesus, their version of Jesus, slightly different than the biblical one. But I knew who he was, but I didn't know him personally. C.S. Lewis says, you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. Deception and apostasy is a sign of the times that we're in and the tribulation that goes with it. And the two go hand in hand. They coincide. We're watching it. If you're paying attention, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you're seeing that what I'm saying is truth in accordance with the Word of God. You're seeing the apostasy. You're seeing people become apostate, standing away from the Lord, falling away. Well, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't believe like that anymore. I don't believe he really said those things. I think man made it up. I, I, you know, I don't believe he would do that. Well, they have backed off. They're falling away. They're withdrawing. They're defecting from who he is. That word apostasy is not found in the English versions of the Bible, but it's used twice in the New in the Greek translation of the the Bible, and expresses the abandonment of the faith. And I'm seeing it every day. And I don't know why I'm shocked by it. Sometimes I'm shocked by the people that have fooled us and faked us out. And some say, well, you know, I still believe in him, but not like that. And some others say, well, I don't believe at all. We have got to stop putting celebrities and musicians and people who claim to be Christians up on some pedestal until we see what kind of fruit they have on their tree. Interestingly enough, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says the classic Greek definition of apostasy signifies a revolt from a military commander, the captain of the host, the king of kings. We've been given a job to go make disciples of all men and women and to destroy the kingdom of darkness, destroy the work of the enemy, and we have revolted from the orders and from the commander himself. But you don't revolt if you believe in and have a relationship with that person. You won't. You'll stand against everything and everybody. You'll decide if you believe that, that's great. I'm going to love you and I'm going to pray for you, but I can't walk with you. Wherever you are right now, if you're out there and one of you is thinking about, you know what, I've been listening to Richard for all these years. I'm really just not sure if I'm, I'm all in on what he's saying. Well, that's fine. You open your Bible and you come back to me with Scripture, and we'll talk Scripture. But I won't talk your opinion. Your opinion didn't hang on a cross and die for my sins. So that means nothing to me. I'm sorry if that's rude, but that's just the way I am. But if you disagree with me, come at me with Scripture, not your opinion. Because people that commit apostasy abandon their faith and they renounce their former beliefs. They deny. They transfer their allegiance to something else. Another person, another belief, another preacher, a teacher. Hey, I like what this guy's saying. This guy allows me to sin and still think I'm going to heaven. That's not the way it works, folks. We've been told what he expects of us. That doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. We all do. But we get to confess our sins because he is right and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 9. I think that was 1 8. 1 8 or 1 9. I'm, I'm off script here, I'm off my notes here. 
I'm watching Satan get away with stuff that frustrates me. A, because it's so easy. He's so brilliant at it, and we've not done our job. We belong to the day. We belong to the light. We belong to his day and his light. And we must avoid what the enemy's doing. You know, last week we touched on this, but I didn't go very deeply into it, and I felt like I needed to circle back. Romans 13, starting verse 13. The night is far gone, and the day is almost here. It's at hand. Let us then drop, fling away the works and the deeds of darkness, and put on the full armor of light. Let us live and conduct ourselves honorably and becomingly as in the open light of day, not in reveling, carousing, drunkenness, not in immorality and debauchery, sensuality and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. But clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and make no provision for indulging the flesh. Put a stop to thinking about the evil cravings of your physical nature to gratify its desires and its lust. Put on, clothe yourself with the Lord, Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, and resist, make no provision for the flesh or its lust. Put on that armor. We've talked about the armor of God, but put on this armor. Make it an armor of light. Reflect his glory from the throne room out to the world. And the enemy hates that, and the world hates it. And they'll do everything they can to block it, to dull it, to to cover it up. Shine. Have his characteristics, his attributes. Walk like Jesus. Walk like Yeshua. Walk in truth. Walk in righteousness and peace. Have the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit manifested into your life. All of them, not just some of them. Well, brother, I walk in the gifts. I speak in tongues. I lay hands on the sick. But you don't treat people with love. You got to have both, the gifts and the fruit, and they have to be working together. You don't love his children. You don't love his sheep. You don't love his flock. You have no compassion. You have no patience. You'll wind up like those people in Matthew 7. Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your names. We prophesied in your name. Get away from me. I never knew you. You need it all. There are people out there that need you to have the supernatural ability to set them free and then love them into healing. See, it's the Holy Spirit that empowers you to be like him. If you don't have the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit in your life, ask him for it. Pray for it. Lord, fill me. And if there's anything hindering me from getting it, remove it, consume it, burn it up in the fire of the Holy Spirit. Change me. You know my story if you've read the book or you've heard me speak or you've listened to me here. I was into the power. I was angry at what the enemy had done to me, had done to my family. I mean, I'm a New York Street Italian. But I didn't have love. I didn't have compassion. And it wasn't until I got his compassion that the power went into overdrive. If you can't look at the lost and dying and grieve for them, you need to ask him for that. Eyes to see or lies to see. What is it? Hebrews 10, starting verse 23, let us hold tightly, without wavering, to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
Amen. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let me stop there for a second. If you have that, that's great. I have it through my family. I have it through Larry. I have it through the ability to get with my son, um, to get online, maybe through FaceTime or Zoom or whatever. So I can fellowship. I can meet with people. If you don't have that you don't, and, and you want it, reach out to me. We'll figure it out. Because he, he's coming back. Yeshua, the king, is coming. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we've received the knowledge of truth, there's no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There's only one terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. He also said the Lord will judge his own people. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Think back in the early days when you first learned about Messiah. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you, were, you helped others who were suffering the same things. We haven't experienced that yet here in the West, but we will. You've suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you were owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew that there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. For we're not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Whew! The faithful ones whose souls will be saved because we've stayed true. We've not compromised. We've not committed spiritual adultery. We believed his word. We believed that he is trustworthy. We believe that God has spoken through his prophets and his apostles, not the man-made ones or people who give themselves the titles or call. They can call them whatever they want. He is his word. He's a do-as-I-say-do-as-I-do God. False teachers are the opposite. They're do as I say, don't do as I do. These these men and women of great name and fame in the body who love the accolades and the applause and the stage and the lights, who live these glamorous lives of cars and homes and multi-million dollar worth saying this is what God would want for No, no. You got brothers and sisters who are going to be evicted, who can't take care of their families, And let me warn you, a false teacher or preacher, they'll quote Scripture, but it will have its own interpretation. That's when we need to do that reverse thing and see what they're really saying. But it'll differ even just slightly, even just slightly one degree off of what the Bible teaches or from what the Book of Acts Church historically thought. I've had people say, well, I, 
I've heard God's voice in my head, and he said this, don't, you know, don't be, don't be restricted by traditions. Think outside the box. And my response has always been, yeah, but don't think outside the book. If it doesn't line up with the word, you have to throw it out. He's not going to give you his word and then not live up to it himself. He cannot deny himself. We've got religious sects like the Jehovah Witnesses and others that give you a distinct interpretation of Bible passages even to deny the deity of Messiah. Or they'll say he's a deity, but we have a different book. Well, you can be a moron if you want, but I don't choose to be a moron. I choose to be somebody smart, filled with the Holy Spirit of truth, knowing full well what the truth is, that the Lord I follow is the Son of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He will not refute his word. He will not commit heresy. And we can look at the church as a whole, past, present, and future, you know, and, and see the voice of faith universally affirm that the verses that teach that Yeshua is God, fully human, yet one with the Father from all eternity, who died on the cross, who rose from the dead, was seen by over 500 people, and then ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. Oh, we can have different interpretations of minor details of doctrine, but the core of the faith given to us, the core of what the Book of Acts Church believes, the core of what this Bible says, is the foundation for which we can affirm who the church is. Second Peter 3, starting in verse 1. Peter's talking about the day of the Lord is coming. And I know, well, I've heard this before, Richard. I've heard all the prophecies and the so-called prophets. Folks, I'm telling you, we've been in the last days since the day of Pentecost. And the clock has been ticking. And when it's overdrive, when Israel became a nation, it, amazingly, at the same time, a lot of supernatural, paranormal things happened at that time. UFOs, abductions, all those things. We're not going to go there. That's for, used to be for reflections in the dark, but... I'm telling you, we're in the last days, and the Lord is coming. Peter says, This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago, what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. More importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth, following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus, that Yeshua is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything's remained the same since the world was first created. Whenever I hear somebody say that, I know that they have been deceived. They deliberately forget, Peter says, that God made the heavens long ago, by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood, and by the same word, the present heavens and the earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment, when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years, said the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear, and fire and the earth and everything on it will be destroyed. It will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should you live? 
looking forward to the day of God, hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the fires on heavens and the elements will melt away in flames. But we, that's you and me, we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth, he promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceable lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved Paul, Brother Paul, who wrote to you with the wisdom of God, gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. But those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. And then Peter, Peter offers his final words. Remember this. Second Peter three seventeen. You already know these things, dear friends. So be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. The Lord wants to see your family saved. He wants to see your brothers, your sisters, your husbands, your wives, whoever to be saved. And he will stall and allow them the time for that to happen. Of course, time will run out, but that's why you need to love them into the kingdom. That's why you need to listen to the Spirit to give them a word where they go, how would you know that? And keep praying for them. Some might get saved after the rapture. They'll have to go through hell to do it, maybe literally. But they'll be able to accept him. Wouldn't it be better now if they got to accept him now and got snatched out of here so that they were not here for the time of Jacob's trouble? So Peter warned that these scoffers will even doubt Messiah's return. There are people out there that think the millennial kingdom has happened. There is no second coming and all that are the nonsense. We've covered that. Maybe I'll cover it again. But there's a lot of foolishness out there from people that are not filled with the Holy Spirit and they don't know the truth. But judgment will come. And they will insist. Since our fathers died, since all these people have died, everything goes on just as it's always gone on since the beginning of creation. Yet Abba Father did intervene in the past. Yes, he did. He destroyed the world in judgment, Genesis, because of what they did. And the same God will intervene again to destroy the works of the satanically infested human society, but not before removing his bride. We will not suffer that. But we're not to let scoffers and false teachings and one-degree-off presentations shake us from our certainty that Yeshua, Jesus, will keep his promises. And because this universe will cease to exist, we need to concentrate on that which is eternal, looking forward, making every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him, as he said in Second Peter 3.14. And we're to concentrate on pleasing him, on being in right relationship, relationship, not religion, with him. We've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, as I said earlier on, into the kingdom of this, his son, Yeshua. And if we walk close to him in right relationship with him, we will be untouched by the lure of false teachers. But we screw up and we listen and we think, wow. you know, that reminds me of when I was a kid. My father, my uncle, whoever, they used to say that. They used to preach like, I miss that preaching. I miss that kind of teaching. Hey, if you're a believer... If you have made a commitment to him, your commitment is to him, not to your traditions, not to your memories, to not to what feels good, but what is good. I have so much more here. 
I may just save it. Father, we love you. We need you. We need this. We need to understand more. Lord, I tell you every day, you've shown me things and dreams and visions. You've given me words that I've shared and that have come true, so I know it's you. But there's so much happening I don't understand. There's, I try. I pray. I seek you. I seek your face. I look in the Word. There's so much going on, but I know you're stalling. You want people to choose you. You want people to believe you. You want people to have faith in you. Stop looking for men and women and politicians and programs to save them. So many people out there need hope. We we want to deliver hope to the hopeless. We want to deliver you. We want to be able to give an explanation, a defense of why we believe, but in such a way that they cry out, I want that. What must I do to have that? All you got to do is believe. Believe. You know, the word belief, brothers and sisters, state of mind, a habit of mind, what we trust in, what confidence in a person or a thing. Well, my confidence is in him. My hope is in the Lord. My confidence is in his word. I believe. I have the conviction of the truth that he is real. The spirit is real. I'm living proof. That he's real. I'm living proof of the power of the Holy Spirit, both through what I've experienced and what I've been able to participate in. My heart is set upon him. My heart and my hope is on nothing less than Jesus the Messiah and his righteousness. I pray that for you. Lord, please speak to your children right now. To whatever person that has allowed false teachings into their life, false thinking, that allows them to think that you're not seeing what they're doing, but that you're okay with it. Well, it's okay. It's okay. His grace is still amazing. Yeah, but he's still a holy God. There, you know, there. This just ran through my head, and I'm, I'm just talking to you right now. There are people out there that take a scripture in Isaiah out of context to believe that polygamy or polyamory, or you know, multiple women, one man in a relationship, is biblical. Oh, we know a whole group of believers built the church around it, but there are believers today. There are believers today that don't don't believe that sleeping with somebody you're not married to is fornication. Oh, that's not a sin. We're committed in our hearts. Well, you better be committed in your life because you've just com- you've just created a soul tie. You've just created a, a, a tie on a level that you cannot sever. Father, please speak to us. Send your spirit. Send your fire. Turn it up on the inside and send it from the outside. We need you. We praise you. We love you. We believe in you. If you agree, say amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.